That's what they say. Hard work, work. Hard work. I earn my pay. Hard work, work. Hard work. Do it every day. This is a WMNF public service announcement. WMNF is hosting a holiday drive in support of the Bautista Project, a local nonprofit that provides basic living essentials and support to assist homeless community members. From November 29th through December 5th, we will be collecting items such as socks, sweaters, backpacks, and travel-sized toiletries. You may drop off your donations at the station and at the 6th Annual You Get Out Festival. More details, including a full list of items, drop-off locations, and times, can be found at WMNF.org slash holiday drive. Hello and welcome to the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa, where every Monday we bring you educational discussions based on sustainable topics. Your hosts today are myself, Kenny Coogan, and Tanya Vitovic. On the boards is Bill Grace, and answering your calls is Clark. Today we are talking about well-built bikes and community resources available through the Well Incorporated, with CEO John Dangler. John Dangler is the CEO of Well Incorporated. John has helped build and launch several of the programs and social enterprises that now constitute the Well's ecosystem, including well-built bikes, well-fed community, and the Well. John has been recognized nationally for his social efforts. He is a graduate of the nonprofit CEO Leadership School with the Community Foundation of Tampa Bay. Welcome to the program, John. Thank you. So, John, you have a reputation in our city for your commitment and providing strategic support. Where does this passion come from? Uh, it's an interesting question. Well, I guess at some basic level, it comes from a discontent. It comes from uh, not wanting to live in a city that doesn't work for all of our neighbors. And so you either, well, you opt out of a city or a life like that, or you give everything you have to make it to move it toward the thing that you envision or find acceptable or a city you would want to live in. And really that's, I would say that at, at some fundamental level is what fuels everything. So can you explain a little bit about Well-Built Bikes? Yeah. I mean, Well-Built Bikes is a nonprofit bike shop. Um, we sell refurbished bikes at affordable prices. Uh, we have a full service uh, repair shop. And then we invest all the service and sales revenue into a couple different programs, mainly our Earn-A-Bike program, so that folks that maybe don't have the funds to purchase a bike and acquire their own means of transportation can get a bike through community service hours. Um, and then we also offer sliding scale repairs for those that have a bicycle but maybe can't afford to the repairs or the upkeep to keep it on the road. Uh, we offer our services on a sliding scale so that they can afford to keep that going. Um, and then, you know, we do some stuff trying to bring folks together. There's a lot of folks that ride for recreation um, and a lot of folks that ride for necessity. And those are really different demographics of our city. And we really believe in the relationship and that what grows out of the relationship between the two coming together. So we run um, regular community rides, group rides to bring those folks together. Uh, other activities like working together in the shop or uh, supporting other events where we can bring those folks together to kind of build relationship there. Um, but yeah, that's a, a little sketch of what we're doing. So on your website, um, you say there's a lack of transportation and a lack of transportation is a formid formidable barrier to gainful employment. Bicycle ownership is a tool that serves as a bridge to independence, employment, community involvement, and physical health for those who do not have the option to own a vehicle. I mean, these are some strong words and it, it kind of describes as for me, 
saying that bicycles belong in a sustainable community. So what? how does having the well-built bikes and the well in this community help in sustainability? And is there a need for this many bikes in the community right now? Well, absolutely. And I mean, even, even just thinking through the lens of sustainability, I mean, obviously there's a push just in that lens to go like the ecological kind of impact that maybe let's say our dependence on cars has and the kinds of cities we dream of walking in and they're walkable and bikeable that are less dependent on, you know, those fuels. Um, also they're physically healthier. They help when we're exercising, creating mental health, physical health, stronger communal ties, all of those things for all of us, right. In the city that we dream of in the city that we hope for, that is a more sustainable kind of ecosystem. But at the same time, like when we run into let's say material poverty, folks lack food, they lack clothes, they lack, you know, uh, basic concrete needs. If you dig a little deeper, you find that what is under, what underlies the need for these concrete things is often deeper issues like a lack of access. And that lack of access is often tied to things like ownership um, or, or just say access, like uh, ownership of a means of transportation that would that if I had that, I could meet a lot of more, my own more basic needs, right? I could get on a bike and pedal it, and I could get to the other resources the cities uh, engage in the city's economy, access the other opportunities that are here and the resources that are here. And so at some, we just recognize, like, a lot of the work of the well does meet just basic material needs. You know, we still share groceries uh, with food insecure communities. We do 15 distributions a month through our kinship. But at those distributions, it's, you know, you're going to get hungry again, right? It's a, it's a bit of a band-aid and we want to get to the deeper issues. And a lot of those issues have to do with ownership and access and, and really, um, addressing that with a, with a very, you know, what seems like a very simple solution is, uh, bicycles. They're good. They're, they're a good means of access that you can own and they're accessible, but then also they open up the city, everything about it. And then also, oh, that's good for your health, your mental health, your physical health. Um, and also kind of onboard you into the into the ecosystem that we're dreaming of building out anyway. Today we're talking with Don, sorry, John Dingler from Well Built Bikes. If you have any questions, give us a call at 813-239-9663 or email us at dj at wmnf.org. This is such a feel-good story. Can you share with us your background in social work and how it related to Well Built Bikes? Yeah, I, I, it's so funny when I hear that my background is in social work. I mean, that's actually probably true, um, <laughs> but that wasn't like by education or anything like that. Um, honestly, it goes back to, you know, meeting folk, like meeting a guy in an alley of our city and going, man, this, and, and connecting with him and going, man, this beautiful brother, um, I have a lot in common with. He's a neighbor, um, but he's in an alley with no home, waiting for someone to come by with food. It reeks of urine out here. He's got, no access to anything. And then the more I engaged in relationships really with folks that lived on the streets in Tampa, which there's a high population of folks on the streets in Tampa because people come here from around the country this time of year, even it's hard to survive in other places if you don't have somewhere to get inside, but you can live all year in Tampa. So we get a high population here, a lot like California does. And I just started building these relationships and engaging there and going, man, we, I've got to we've got to do something to at, at, at an initial level, just learn to share. Like I've got an extra jacket and this dude doesn't have a jacket. I should probably give him my jacket. Maybe that's why I have an extra jacket, you know, and taking those opportunities. And then along the way we, we 
we said, well, we, at first it was our home. I talked to a bunch of dudes that I was living with into opening up our homes and going, we should let people use the shower and sleep on the couches and eat out of our fridge and whatever. And, and that's really kind of where it started with this intentional kind of community that was really trying to be a house of hospitality for the poor. But as you'd imagine, kind of the wheels come off of that over time. So we ended up opening a daytime drop-in center for the homeless that was in Tampa Heights. It was on the corner of Florida and Fort Braska at the time before really the neighborhood kind of gentrified and told all of us, we don't want you around here anymore, which is exactly what happened. But we, we were engaging in these relationships going like, we just want, look, there's folks that need food, folks who don't have work and they don't have food, but we can work together and plant a garden and grow some food. They don't have transportation, but we can work together to build some bikes to gain access to transportation. Um, we were raising fish and tilapia and chickens and anything that we could think of to kind of put to engage in meaningful work, build community with one another, um, and then just kind of meet our own needs. I mean, really the thing I'd want to say to each of the folks that I'm working with and maybe folks listening is like, we've got to take responsibility for our situations. Like we, we, we have to do it. We have to build it. And so along the way, like this, I guess, is my background in social work. It really is, in my mind, nothing ever shifted or changed. But along the way doing that, you're raising money, raising money. There's a lot of things that you need to buy and support. And I was like, we should probably learn to start some businesses. Uh, we need to learn to make some money. Maybe that's the more sustainable move. So the first thing we did was a lawn business. Um, and then along the way, we started well, about bikes, we realized, man, some of these bikes, we experimented with some pop-up shops and we took some of the name brand bikes, the nicer bikes that we get, refurbished them. And we realized, yeah, folks, there is a market for this. There's actually a real gap in the market that exists between, let's say, Walmart or the pawn shop where you can get something affordable, but it's not reliable. And then in with the case of the pawn shop, some dude down the street might tell you it's his bike. Whereas a new bike shop often has a comma on the price tag. It's a reliable mm -hmm. transportation, but often it's not accessible or affordable to everybody. And that gap in the market is where we found a sweet spot. We sell affordable and reliable, and then we can take that revenue and get it to people that can't afford that even. And so that's really how that emerged out of this kind of the broader work of the well. I'm very happy that you're in Tampa, and I would say, yes, you do have a background in social work. <laughs> like real search, social work, like actually working in the community to make the community better, which, I mean, honestly, you're just amazing. Did, did you start well-built bikes with a bunch of friends, or was this your baby? Uh, well, no, I mean, it wasn't my baby. So the well as a whole is the kind of parent nonprofit um, I guess I'm technically the founder of, but it was a small community of us. We actually incubated in another nonprofit. But then the story of Well Built Bikes, really, because when we were running that daytime drop-in center, uh, a friend and um, at the time volunteer and eventually a staff member was Jessica Brenner. Um, was She rode a bike for six years just because she was a cyclist and didn't want to ride a car. And then she started helping some of the guys in the shop or in the in the in the sorry, in the drop-in center, like fix things on their bike. And I was like, yo, that's so beautiful. Keep doing that. Could you imagine if we had a bike shop or the blah, 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 kind of casting vision. She's like, I'm not here to work on bikes. I'm here to help. I'm just here to, you know, build relationships. I was like, that's great. Build relationships with the people of bikes. And then eventually we, we opened up what we called the recycle bin, which was just a shipping container behind the drop-in center. But as we got kind of pushed out of the neighborhood and, and set our eyes on, hey, we could maybe turn this into a business, we tapped a couple other folks on the team, namely Chris Scotto, who is now the, the, the shop manager, the service department manager. He's kind of the, the head 
kind of mechanic and the flywheel that makes all this possible that works on the bikes, builds the bikes and works with the team that does that. Uh, so he's really a co-founder in that enterprise. Jessica Brenner, um, was initially kind of helping found it and then, you know, had a baby and said, I don't know if my baby needs to be crawling around the bike shop. And said, Maybe I can work with the gardens. And so she's really transitioned over to our Eden Project Garden Initiative. And then Chris and I really kind of co-founded Wubble Bikes together. Very good. And can you tell the listeners where Well Built Bikes is located? Yeah. So it is in University Mall, actually, on Fowler Avenue. So just uh, next to USF. And... It is, if you go to University Mall, the easiest thing to do is drive around to the parking garage, enter into the ground level of the parking garage, and it's just inside the main entrance there. Um, we have a shop kind of in the mall, which is a unique place for a bike shop, but uh, the decline of malls has uh, made some real opportunities for folks trying to get a leg up and start something in an actual retail space, which is what we took advantage of, and then we're right next to USF, so that's been a fantastic spot for us. Did you love or even like bikes at the beginning, or did you just see that this was a need? No, so that's a great question. And for me, it's still a tool. Like I'll go on the bike rides, and I like bikes; oh, they're fine. And and actually, what what was it? It was a it was a real need. I found that it was beautiful. It was the right tool. But then when I started holding the bike next to everything, like I really analyzed everything we'd ever done and said, what maps? What gets us the furthest to our goals? And I was like, man, this maps to our ecological goals. It maps to our physical well-being goals. It maps to our mental well-being goals, to our community development goals. Like, and, oh, by the way, it can create revenue. There's a real market opportunity here. So I was like, oh, this is the best tool available to us. So I'm in love with it as that, right? Whereas, like, Chris is, like, really uh, more mechanical, really in love with bikes, is, I would say, actually a cyclist, which I wouldn't. I w- I'm more like the poor person guy where I was like, I need the, the bike people guys around me as well and gals around me as well. So like we can make a good team that way. Very good. John, we have a text message from David and he says, I was on the Pinellas trail yesterday in the Dunedin area. And I love how there are several small businesses that have an entrance that appeals to and opens out to the trail there. Do you know whether other urban trails in other cities have such businesses with curb appeal for bicyclists or pedestrians. I've ridden a few such trails around the U.S., but have never seen one that does it as well as Pinellas. Yeah, that trail is kind of exemplary. In particular areas, there's other areas of the trail where people just ride fast through it because there's nowhere to stop and maybe things they wouldn't want to stop around, you know? It depends where the trail passes through, but but that is a common thing and becoming more and more common. In fact, we've even been talking to some folks near that trail about setting up um, a small maybe container shop alongside the trail as well. But there's, there's a lot of – that's an emerging kind of trend. And I think as our, as our kind of cities and our city centers, our counties, whatever, start moving toward more uh, pedestrian cycle-friendly places, we're going to realize the opportunity that these – that these pathways are, and uh, and actually, there's some really rich stuff happening alongside uh, trails. If you're if you're on land near a bike trail, I'd really urge you to consider thinking of that trail as a, as a as as customer frontage. You are listening to the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF 88.5 Tampa. Today's guest is John Dangler, the CEO of The Well Incorporated, and we are talking about their community resources, including their well-built bikes. If you have a question for John, 
give us a call at 813-239-9663 or send us an email at dj at wmnf.org and I will read it on air. So, John, you say that there's a gap between the pawn shops, them being affordable, and the bike shops of reliability. How many people are you serving? Because obviously there's a decent amount of people that are buying from the pawn shops, broke down bikes that may or may not work, and also from bike shops. Now, there's those middle people that you serve. Are you serving a lot of people in the community? Yeah, and several several different demographics as well. So, right, so this is, I was actually just trying to, I think I might take me too long to try to log into our point of sale system to try to give you some actual numbers here. But like, uh, you know what? Here, I'm in. Let's see, October. We'll just go October, run a quick thing. And yeah, we've got, I mean, we saw over 200 folks last month that were coming through that we served in some capacity, right? So some of those might be a quick repair. Some of those might be a bicycle sale. Some of those might be an earn a bike. Um, and I would say each month or no, I'm sorry, each week, we're probably averaging about 20 new, uh, people to the database. So, you know, serving existing customers, uh, or clients, however you want to kind of frame those neighbors is the way I would frame all of them. Um, and you know, and then about 20 new friends a month that we're making that are coming in and engaging with us in some way that are actually getting entered into the point of sale system, whether they're uh, being entered in that way as a as a service that we're providing to them or as a customer that is maybe transacting with us or investing in the work in some way with us. And I love that you're saying not just not just customer, but also friend and neighbor, because it's true. I think that what you're doing is just really showing that you're building the community. And in part of having a sustainable community is building these sort of relationships. And just as you were talking, because you mentioned that this all started speaking to somebody who was homeless. I just went to HUDuser.gov, um, and just in Tampa, it, they have it listed as 16,000 homeless. A fifth of them are children. I mean, so this this area is, you know, although the, you know there's million-dollar houses everywhere, there's also a lot of people who desperately need this support. Who do you see um, is utilizing your your bike shop the most? Like what kind of what like what group of people, or is it kind of just spread out? It is spread out, but it, I would say working class. So um, you know, there's a lot of folks that are just I mean, whether homeless or working poor or non-working poor, right? But then working class. I mean, or or college students. I mean, the reality is like. Like even myself and my own, like that's me, right? I, I mean, I I'm employed and I and I make a little bit of money, but like I'm by I'm basically at the poverty line and by no means able to go buy a bicycle with a comma on it, you know, on the price tag. And and like if I needed to get a bike, what is accessible to me really at a price point is, um, you know, places like Walmart and Target technically don't even sell bikes; they sell toys that are shaped like bikes. Um, and then those are the most affordable, but they break so fast. They and a lot of the times they're not put together great either. Like all, like the I, like the I, steering I, wheel no, may or no, may not no. be attached properly. <laughs> Honestly, I know some of the guys that assemble them, and you do not want them assembled in your bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and that's right. And then and then on the flip side, you know, at the pawn shop, they don't do anything to them. They're mm-hmm. same as is. Um, so if you bought a bike at a pawn shop, which I do sometimes, we buy them and take them to the to our bike shop. Sometimes if we're slow on inventory, it's like. 
but I'll, uh, we are going to spend another, you know, 75 to a hundred dollars refurbishing whatever it is that we buy. And so I'd say, well, you need to factor that in to what the actual cost of this bicycle is. So, so we're kind of the people's bike shop, you know, like the kind of a, at a working class level. Um, that's what we're doing. And, and I wanted to say one other thing when you were talking about referring to our customers and clients as neighbors and friends, that, that is kind of our ethos and intentional and really, but honestly, beyond the bike shop, um, my, my, really my vision, the, our vision for our city is really a well-built city, uh, a city that, that, that meets all of our needs that is working for all of us. And, and actually I do think establishing businesses that are primarily neighborly that, that, that like the, that the neighborhood is grateful for having this neighbor in their community, that, that, that a business can come in and provide value, value to all of the stakeholders, whether they're customers or not. That, that to us is like maybe a primary thing that we're aiming at beyond the, the, the like details of what we're doing with bicycles. It's like I'd love to see that emerge in um, home building and in, you know, in every type of business and marketplace that, that we create businesses that are primarily good neighbors. And then, oh, by the way, they also are sustainable as companies. And so in the very beginning of this, when you were kind of explaining what Well Bikes is, you mentioned a program that you have um, called Earn a Bike. So if somebody can't afford a new bicycle, I would love for you to spend a minute and kind of, um, without mentioning price, because this is, you know, community radio that we're not allowed to mention prices. um, But could you kind of go through what Earn a Bike is? Well, there is no price on an earner bike, so that'll be easy not to mention. But, I mean, there is a cost to us. But uh, basically, yeah, what it is, I mean, you can go to our website if you need a bike and you can't afford it. I would urge you to come by and look at the bikes and see if you can afford one first and see if we can work with you on something. But if you're like, look, I can't do this, that's fine. Go to the website. There's a simple kind of Google form application you can fill out. There is a bit of a waiting list, so we get to them as best we can. We go through, you know, kind of set up. And what we'll do is we'll contact them. Um, so contact info is crucial there, email, phone number. We get in touch with you. We set up a work day. Um, usually we'll have three, four, five folks together on a work day. Um, sometimes it's in the shop. Often lately because of the season, we're working in the garden. We're taking them over to one of our community gardens and help getting it ready uh, to plant seeds for the season, right, to get to with production of food. But we want to engage them in meaningful work that maps to some of the goals and things that we're doing. They invest that time. Um, historically, we've done 10 hours of community service. Um, to be honest, lately, it's a little less because we're lumping them together on these work days. That has a lot to do with kind of COVID-19 and some of the difficulties of scheduling the work days. There was a time we couldn't figure out how to do this at all. And so we're now taking them out, putting these work days on together. Um, and then at the end of that time, there's a little, the graduation, kind of air quote graduation is, you finish your hours, and the final hour is kind of a safety and maintenance training. We bring them together. They're going to get a helmet. Uh, we're going to talk to them about, you know, how to use that helmet and safety. They're going to get a lock, and we're going to talk to them how to keep their bike from getting stolen and how to lock it up properly. Um, they're going to get lights, and we're going to talk to them about, you know, riding habits. And, and by the way, laws, because, you know, TPD and uh, Hillsborough County Police are are big on pulling people over that don't have proper lights on their bikes after dust, after uh, the sun goes down. Um, so they're going to get helmet, lights, lock, water bottle, right? Then talk about staying hydrated. Um, and then they're going to get the bicycle. And we're going to talk to them a little bit about maintaining that bike, how to use that bike, how to properly upkeep that bike. Then they're going to register that bike in a national registry in their name. So it is 
And then it's a purchase that they purchase with time. So we take them to the register and they get wrung out like any other customer. They get a receipt for that because we have heard of police pulling people over and say you couldn't have afforded this bike. Where's the receipt, which is ridiculous, but we make sure that they have a receipt. Um, it is registered in their name and they leave with a bike, lights, lock, helmet, water bottle. I used to have backpacks, but I don't anymore. If anyone wants to send us some, we'd love to give them a backpack as well. Um, but that's what we have right now to offer, and that's what they purchased with that investment of community service hours. You're listening to the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF 88.5 Tampa. Today's guest is John Dengler, the CEO of Well Incorporated, and we are talking about their community resource, including their well-built bikes. If you have a question for John, give us a call at 813-239-9663 or email us at dj at wmnf.org. John, we got a text message from Bubba. He says, Orlando does a much better job on urban trails than Tampa. What's the deal? And what does your guest think about bike rental shares like Coast in Tampa? Well, I can't say a whole lot about comparing O-Town and Tampa just because I <laughs> stay in Tampa and I don't go over there a whole lot. Um and I and and that's great to hear. So hopefully they do a great job. I don't think they do with some of the traffic stuff, which is what I've known when I've gone there. Um, and then yeah, I mean Coast. I think like we know some of the guys that work at Coast. They've been good friends to us. I'm, I'm, I'm I love it actually, and I love seeing those happening all over the country because ultimately, I mean, really, like it's good to see folks getting out on bicycles. It's a better way to encounter your city. It's a better way to like. I, just to get around, it's healthier. It's, it puts you, you know, I, I think of like some of the work that's been done. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on her name right now, but like the kind of the, the impact of walking your city or biking your city, like it's, it's slower and you actually, it's just more, it's a more neighborly activity, you know, and it puts you in touch and in contact with folks socially. Um, and I just think it, I couldn't be more excited about programs like that. I love seeing them and we've actually had some real opportunities to partner with them and, and, Oh, you know, they, they keep up their bikes and it's been great to be on their little Rolodex when they call and say, Hey, we got a bunch of wheels. We're not going to use or tires that we're replacing. And I'm like, we're, we're first in line to get over there and, and benefit from maybe what would otherwise be wasted because sometimes those have life left in them for some of the people that we know that could really use a, a tire or a wheel. How has COVID affected your clientele and your organization? Yeah. So in the beginning, um, when it really started, uh, we were, we were super scared, um, both with the shutdowns, like, so, you know, there was the question around essential businesses. Um, and I remember having a talk with our team initially going, you know, there was one guy, Bill in particular, Bill lives on the streets, relies on his bike constantly. Like we he can't even leave it with us for a repair because he just needs it for everything to get around. Right. And I was like, listen, Bill might have a flat, so I refuse to leave. So the mall might shut down. I don't know what they're going to do. And they may tell us that we can't be out here. But I told the team, I was like, I can't ask you to do this. But I will be in the parking lot, in the truck, with tubes, tires, things that we need. And I'm going to tell everybody, hey, uh, we're going to be here still because this is essential to folks like Bill. Like, what's he going to do? It's the end of the world if that goes flat. And I just told him they're going to have to put me in jail. To stop, to stop me. Well, the good news was they, the police did come by and say you're supposed to shut down. And I basically told them exactly that. And they said, good point. You could stay open. <laughs> and so we were able to stay open the entire time. And then honestly, um, there's a couple things that are really weird. And I've, I, so anecdotally, I haven't run a study. I hope someone is running a study. Um, homeless people don't get COVID. 
So, like, and I've talked to basically, like, the homeless liaison from the county and whatever. It's like there's, we've known so few people, so few people impacted in, there's tons of impact economically and all the, the impact of the things that shifted around, like all the resources that shut down. But, like, people getting sick, and I don't know if this is from being outside all the time and all the vitamin D, or if it's just from being a little dirty and having a really Herculean immune system. But, like, we haven't known people that got sick, which that's awesome. And then on the bike side, bikes became the most popular thing on the planet. I do want to interrupt, though. There are homeless camps that were inundated with COVID, and a lot of people did get sick and and did die. Um, (laughs) So I don't want to... Um, put any sort of like information out there where people are sure. may or may Fair not enough. think um, that that it's that it's that they are immune because there there's there's still um, it is still a concern. But go ahead, continue. No, yeah, possibly, possibly, and maybe encampments are different, and, and shelters are probably different. Yeah, um, and I'm just and like I said, it's anecdotal. Folks who live on the streets, that was our experience. And on the bicycle side, they became the most popular thing on the planet. Uh, really after toilet paper um, and, and <laughs> because because like the 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 gyms closed yeah people needed a way to exercise they were stuck at home the kids were at home they didn't want to ride public transportation and for every imaginable reason which we wouldn't have anticipated we were never busier and so it actually got to a point where we like people would come to the shop for a bike and we'd be like well we have that bike you know there's like no that bike. one bike <laughs> yeah 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 and then and then supply chain issues are still a major struggle because you know, uh, you got to think like all of the manufacturing stuff is mostly done in China, Taiwan, places like that. It's shut down. Now we have shipping containers sitting out at sea. And so you want to, you want to get a chain for your bike because, you know, it's really hard to find them. And so for us shops and others in the industry, they started limiting your ability to buy them. And for a long, long time, there was just nothing available. You'd go to people that they're in business of selling bikes. That's all they do is manufacture and sell bikes. And they're like, we have none. We have empty warehouses. And so there was, I never thought you'd hear these words put together, but a global bike shortage legitimately. But for us, uh, we, it was a boon. I mean, we stayed super busy and the work became more meaningful. Honestly, it was just like, oh, for every reason imaginable, this is a real need in the community. And we're, we have the privilege of being able to kind of work hard to meet that need. Sustainability is about balancing people, profit, and planet. Can you tell us how you ensure that your organization is earning a profit with your current model of business? Well, yeah, I can. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't say we're exactly turning a profit. Um, my since we set out, so we started with a very nonprofit uh, path, and you know, before that, we had run like a drop-in center where everything was free. So I, I was used to just not making money, right? So I was like, oh, we spend money. That's what we do. But now we have revenue and we're making money. And so our goal and really what I think in a kind of a social entrepreneurship lens, I'm like, listen, if this thing breaks even and meets needs and throws off value in the community, it's a huge success. And we're doing that. So we're, we're making enough to cover ourselves. And then with whatever kind of over the main cost structure that we have, where we're like, oh, we paid our rent, we paid our staff, we cover the cost of the Erna bikes and all those things that are going out. And if we have a little more, we're basically pouring it right back in to go, why don't we get some more bikes on the floor or see if we can't invest in some way to really grow the business. I mean, we're, we just hit our four-year anniversary. Uh, so we're like clawing our way maybe toward profitability. I do dream of a day that this throws off capital for other such uh, enterprises that we hope to launch kind of throughout the city. 
Um, but right now I can't, I can't act like it's a hugely profitable thing or, you know, um, but it is making enough to sustain itself. And I am, I feel like that's a huge success. Very good. We have a caller and um, a text message, and they would like to donate a couple of bikes, and they are asking you to repeat the name of your company and the address of the shop. Yeah. So the um, the name of the bike, the uh, name of the company is Well Built Bikes, and uh, we are at one two two five six University Mall Court, which is inside of University Mall. Um, so you can bring those by and thank you, by the way, you can bring those by any time that we are open. Uh, so we're closed on Mondays, but we're there every other day of the week. Uh, we open at 11 a.m. on weekdays and noon on the weekends. Can you share a phone number, John? I can. Give me one second here. My, I have the worst uh, memory imaginable, but I'm going to pull that up right now. Yeah, so the phone number is 813 813- Five six three three zero two four, and again the address is one two two five six University Mall Court. All right, very good. And we have another caller on the line, and this is Mark from Tampa. Welcome to the show, Mark. Hi, uh, I was going to uh, mention to John. I wonder if he's ever looked into uh, getting uh, funding the uh, the Vinnick Group at every uh, home hockey game. Uh, spotlights a uh, a nonprofit group that gets fifty thousand dollars in funding. So I'm sure that if he, uh, uh, you know, calls down there and, and uh, you know inquires about uh, how, how to get involved in uh, becoming a, a you know recipient of their of their funding, uh, he might be able to get fifty thousand dollars for his his enterprise. Thank you so much for pointing that out. And yeah, I mean the Vinix. Uh, have been hugely just so generous to really the entire city. We're a huge fan. Um, and the, that program is called the community hero program. And typically what would happen is someone needs to put your name in the hat on your behalf. Like you can go write a proposal for us. In fact, everyone listening can go write a proposal for us. Really you single out like an individual like me and you say, Hey, this is them. And then when they are given the grant, they choose the nonprofit or nonprofit. Uh, that they want to contribute to. We did have the benefit of another friend um, who's the president of Ecker Connects that was um, Joe Clark, and he won a, as a community hero and chose, you know, Ecker Connects as the lion's share of that money, but then also uh, three other smaller nonprofits that he brought in to get a kind of a chunk of that money, and he split it up four ways, which was uh, an incredible gift to us. And so we, I've, I've kind of at least had an up close look at the at the you know being able to go to the game and the skybox and all the stuff they do. But yeah, it's just such an incredible program they're running. Yeah, well maybe uh, we can uh, some of us can uh, put your name in the hat down there. Oh, uh, that'd be awesome. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Oh, also, mm-hmm. if if you have bikes uh, that you want to be donated, do you have a service like a pickup truck where you can come and uh, get them? So if you reach out to us or email us, you can just do webaltbikes at gmail dot com. Um, I would say send us like a list of what you have or pictures. We don't, I don't have someone out running around, but like you might be able to convince me that it's worth driving over there and getting them. Um, yeah. But it, I would have to do a bit of a cost benefit analysis for like time and gas and whatever. Cause yeah. the answer is no, we don't have that, but yeah, you never know. I might do it if you got some good stuff. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank Bye-bye. you, Mark. Yep. Most of you know about Black Friday or Cyber Monday. 
But what about Giving Tuesday? WMNF is part of this special day of charitable giving. We'll be looking for donations with the goal of raising $8,000 tomorrow. Please give online at WMNF.org or by calling 813-238-8001. And you are listening to the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF 88.5 Tampa. Today's guest is John Dangler, the CEO of The Well Incorporated. And we are talking about bikes and all their community resources. If you have a question for John, give us a call at 813-239-9663 or send us an email at dj at wmnf.org and we will read it on air. So you have the earn by program, you have all this these cool things happening there. So let's say that you know how to fix a bike. You just don't have all of the tools. Um, do you have any sort of resource for those um, people? So we did, um, and we may again. Um, we had a community resource station, or community, like a mechanics bench that was available to the community, community workstation, sorry. And we shut that down during COVID for a couple of reasons. One, we needed those tools for our own technicians because of the amount of work we needed to do. We needed to put all of our wrenches to be turning. Uh, but at the same time, we couldn't have folks coming into the shop to do that at the time. And honestly, we probably could now, um, but we are still using those wrenches. And so um, we have not opened that back up at this point, um, but we are happy to talk with folks and work something out and be it help. We do also have um, a handful of tools that we can make available to folks. We have some for sale and, you know, depending on what you need, we might be able to just help or hook you up. And so if there's not a public workstation, you also are doing repairs, right? And again, without mentioning prices, and free is a price. So, um, so no, oh, okay. <laughs> I know there's, I was saying that for a really long time and I got, I, I was told that I'm not allowed to say that either. <laughs> um, so can you explain, um, your repair shop and how, um, it's kind of a sliding scale and which again, makes it really affordable to a large yep. part of the part of the community? Yeah. So, you know, th- there are things that folks need done on their bikes, like overhauls that can get quite expensive, you know? Now I would say that we are, I mean, competitive isn't even the word. We are foolishly priced even, um, at our prices that exist, like at just the basic level to come in and get work done at a basic, like, Oh, that's what it costs. Let's go. Um, but then for folks that get that price back, we, we tell them, listen, there's a dialogue here. Like if, if you can't do this and and you, we don't ask for any kind of proof of poverty or anything it's more like look me in the eye and tell me that you need help here and if you need help then that's what we're here for we want to make sure that you can get what you need and we want you to contribute what you can um and and we ask folks to do that i mean i have i we've had guys that are on the streets that need a ton of work and i go do you have anything to give and they they go no not really i have like 17 cents and i go well then it's 17 cents like i'm going to take your 17 cents <laughs> you know uh i'm and uh, we've had kids from the neighborhood come in and i'm i charge them pushups you know um <laughs> you're going to give me some pushups then or you're going to sweep up for a minute while we while we do this for you because you know you should you should contribute as you can and and everybody has something to offer absolutely and so 
I was reading that you also um, have kind of uh, classes, right, on how not only how to fix bikes, but also how to ride safely. Do you still do these classes and or group rides? Yeah, so the group rides are um, the first uh, Tuesday of every month. Um, we're, we're kind of bringing those back. So we shut those down for a season, you know, obviously during kind of the worst of COVID, but then like, so, you know, not tomorrow, but next Tuesday will be the first Tuesday of the month. And so we meet our shop closes at six and we meet in the parking garage right outside the shop around six fifteen, and kickstands up and rolling at six thirty. Uh, we do a ride, you know, at a very conversational, easy pace. Anyone could kind of keep up with. We do about six miles, mostly around USF campus, through the campus, a little bit of main roads. And then toward the end, we go to a local barbecue spot where we take over the patio. If folks want to just hang out or get a drink or get some food or anything like that before we kind of go back to the shops, we do that. Our main class right now really is for the earners that we're running the kind of graduation safety and maintenance class for our earner bikers um, at the end of the earner program, the earner bike program. Um, and then it's by announcement. So we, we um, do what we can to uh, teach, teach as we can. So what we'll do is like, as, as we, you know, set something on the calendar, uh, you can stay tuned on kind of social media or wherever that we'll just kind of try to make known to those of those that are following us, like that you can, you know, come by and, uh, and take the class. Um, we haven't run one in a while though, because you know, the obvious situation. And Kenny, I think we have a phone, a phone caller. Yes, we do. We have Mark from Clearwater. Welcome, welcome to the show, Mark. That was a double welcome. <laughs> oh, hi, can you hear me? Yes, yeah, we absolutely. can. Hey, just uh, just a suggestion. I just toned, excuse me, tuned in moments ago, and it sounds like John uh, is looking for donor bicycles. Is that correct? Anytime. I think always. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 that sounds cool. So just my personal observation has been because we have a son that goes to one of the Florida universities, and I have a sibling that previously worked at a large um, institution, and it's been my observation that a lot of these universities at the end of the school year, a number of students are either graduating or not returning, and there seems to be a whole uh, thing of bicycles that, that seem to somehow get either disposed of or otherwise forgotten. So that might be a potential good source. That, that's, that's such a good insight. And we do um, from uh, several universities, actually, mainly USF right now. Um, the, it seems that, just kind of elaborating on that, the private universities are the easiest because they kind of do what they want. So the day that students leave, they start moving. Like, hey, these are abandoned. Come get them. You know, get them out of here. Oh. Like a oh. maintenance person at a condo or an apartment, whereas state or public universities uh, are, let's say, scared of the parents, it seems, and uh, sit on those for quite some time before turning them over, which often and unfortunately means dry rot and rust. Um, but uh-huh. but we, still, we still pick up as much as we can and use everything that we can from those places. And, no, thank you for that. That's such a good um, uh, sure. Sure, certainly, and it's certainly a noble, a noble cause. It sounds great, and obviously, uh, you know, utilize Craigslist, perhaps a search tool of free for sure. bike, for sure. free bike, and then certainly any of these social media. But with that, I'm going to politely bow out. Sounds like a great program, and all the best to you, John. Awesome, thanks Thank for so calling much. in, Mark. Um, Have a great day. You too. So, John, it seems like you're just filling an essential role in the community. But you mentioned the other programs a little bit. 
Well Built Bike is not the only nonprofit that you that that you're doing. You mentioned, you know, the Well Well Built Community and then Eden Project. If you could just spend a minute kind of explaining each of those and what um what that nonprofit kind of encompasses. Yeah, so the the basic structure is the well is the parent 501c3, and then each of these operations, which are really programs, are set up as their own LLCs kind of under the nonprofit, and they inherit the nonprofit covering um, with that corporate structure. So you have Wubble Bikes, which we've talked plenty about. Well-fed communities is really um, a, a group of women trying to make food make sense. Uh, and we find at our grocery distributions, a lot of times we get food from nice uh you know, you'll get, we have, you know, say Whole Foods donates a bunch of stuff that isn't up to the standard or um, might might be on its way out or whatever. And so we pick up from, you know, nice uh, markets and then it's food that might otherwise go wasted. And we get it to folks that might otherwise go hungry, but a lot of times uh, they don't know what to do with it. Maybe they don't recognize it. You know, I mean, uh, I don't know, you know, a lot of listeners might not know what a kohlrabi is. And if you get one, what the heck do you do with it? Um <laughs> You know, and there's things that we want to make sure that folks can. Un- so we're trying to. We they come alongside us and they run courses and classes alongside of our grocery distributions. They also work with like a local football team, teaching the kids how to um, kind of prepare healthy, nutritious meals. Um, they have an adult class that they run for folks in the community that are trying to that might have limitations. Maybe they don't have an oven but they want to make uh, something with sweet potatoes that they got from us. And they go, oh, well, there's ways you can do that, and we'll show you some, some, some healthy ways to prepare these that don't necessitate having an oven and things like that, like the workarounds. And so we're, we're really gearing like toward kind of, you know, a lot of our work, we really believe in the table um, of the growing of food, the preparing of food, the sharing of food, and even, honestly, the table itself. Uh, is an illustration of even for us, like the community ride in some way, in some abstract way is a table that we gather around, right? And so that's central. We just really believe in kind of our relationship and the importance of our relationship with food. And so they really trying to help build that relationship through education and access. And so then that naturally couples with the Eden Project, which is like a small network of community gardens going, hey, we're in neighborhoods where maybe we don't have, folks don't have work and food. Um, or even just they do have work, but it, it's nice to kind of have a garden. And so we grow some community gardens where we're learning to kind of co-create together, you know, um, to get our hands in the soil, to get dirty and to kind of raise up nutritious food. And, you know, we find that, you know, folks that maybe wouldn't eat certain things will eat them when they grow them, especially with the kids. And so it's just a great way to kind of get build those healthy relationships to food and to the earth. Um, and then we have a handful of other things that we're doing that are maybe um, smaller or seedling kind of, um, and I'll just say it this way. We have what we're calling like an incubator that we have a handful of other ideas that, that you know, maybe you'll hear about in the coming future. Um, you know, some that are using kind of technology to kind of build tools for folks that are kind of caretakers or shut in and, and some that are like really trying to address other needs around housing or around things like that. And we go, well, we want to incubate these ideas and see if they can't turn into something that is as robust as well about bikes. And then in time to be launched out of the incubator into maybe say more proper member of the ecosystem then. And so you met, you, you mentioned, was it well-built community or well-built city? What is that? So, right. So well-built city is like a vision of all of it, right? So the well, like <laughs> the well, when we launched the bike shop, there was an old man that said, oh, the well's building bikes. 
you should call it well-built. Get it? <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, it's definitely not going to be called that. And then it came up again. And then next thing you know, our store is called Well-Built Bikes. And I just thought, oh, that's cheesy, cheesy or whatever. But it's a bit of a reference to the well. But the well, I don't care that anyone ever hears about the well. And Well-Built Bikes as a, as a, as a brand has really worked. And then, you know, the women that really started Well-Fed um, they said, we want to call it well-fed. And I was like, you don't have to name everything well. But they're like, no, but it, it maps to our goals and what we want to do. We want to call it well-fed. And I said, okay, cool. They'll call it well-fed. Well, it references then, the connection to the community that you've already established. So I love that right. it's That's yeah. right. And so it's catching on. You know, we had someone that does stuff with books and reading with children call us and say, I want to launch Well-Read. And I'm like, Aww. oh, this is a thing now. It's catching <laughs> on. And so, and so we want to incubate these ideas. So if you have them, there's something... I think I make a good startup partner. I have that kind of entrepreneurial DNA and ADD, so I can kind of think about all of these things and want to. It kind of isn't boring that way. But the vision of the whole is that we establish an ecosystem of enterprises and businesses and initiatives that kind of have well-built city as a shared vision. Really, like I said, the city that works for all of us, where we have access to the things that we need, access to meaningful work, access to one another, um, and, 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 and share in the rich kind of value and history and commitment that is Tampa, you know, that really love our city in a concrete way. Oh, you're listening to the Sustainable Living Show here on 88.5 WMNF Tampa. Today's guest is John Dingler, the CEO of The Well Incorporated. And we are talking about their community resources, including well-built bikes. If you have a question for John, give us a call at 813-239-9663. Or send us an email at dj at wmnf.org. I wanted to let listeners know that there are two upcoming events. This Saturday, December 4th, the Green Boutique, located at 1032 Bloomingdale Avenue in Valrico, will be hosting their monthly Plaza Bella plant sale from 9 to 1. There will be a dozen plant vendors selling tropical plants, fruit trees, aeroids, carnivorous plants, succulents, herbs, and more. And plants make the perfect holiday present. And the following weekend, from 12 to 5, on both Saturday and Sunday, December 11th and 12th, Three Daughters Brewing will be hosting more than 40 local artists, shops, and food trucks. Three Daughters Brewing is located at 222 22nd Street in St. Pete. All proceeds from vendor fees will be benefiting the Spring of Tampa Bay who keep survivors of domestic violence safe. And John, you are a very busy person. In addition to all those things that we've mentioned, you're also the host of the Work Ethic Podcast. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us what the format of the podcast is and who do you interview? Yeah, so the format is long form and free-flowing. And they're all about, well, most of them are about two hours long. And I interview everybody, honestly, trying to explore. This is the show is scratching my own itch. I guess I have an obsession with the place of work in our lives, by which I do not mean employment, but like meaningful struggle and doing hard things for something worth doing. And I, that's a conviction I have around folks that live on the streets going, hey, we need to work on something. Even if we don't have jobs, it's good for us. It builds up our character. And it's something I think we need as much as we need food. And that conviction really evolved into, it, it started with me 
teaching a class really on like establishing a philosophy of work. And I realized how much I wanted to talk about the topic, but how, you know, little time I have to give to like the generation of content around it. And so the show became scratching my own itch. It's a bit of field research where I just want to interview folks from every walk of life and vocation about vocation, about their relationship to the work and the projects they're working on. You know, I ask questions like, when did the word work take on meaning in your life initially when you were young, as far back as you can remember? What projects are you working on? How would you define success? Um, what are you teaching your kids about the concept? Things like that. And, and, and just it's just a long-form conversation kind of exploring around the topic of our relationship to work. Do you release the episodes on a schedule? <laughs> uh, as often as I can. Uh, I, was do, I was at a pretty good weekly clip for a while, um, and it's not as much anymore. So I'll just say no at this point um, as often as I can get them up. Where do people find them? So you can go to the workethicpodcast.com, which is really just a almost like a link tree. It's not link tree, but it's like it. And it's it'll give you access to go, oh, it's on Google or Spotify or whatever. I mean, you can look it up basically anywhere you listen to podcasts. And we are almost out of time. So, John, can you let us know your social media handles and how people can contact you with the well and well-built? Yeah. And if they yeah. want to volunteer, the volunteer opportunities too, because I'm sure that you're going to get some people interested. Yeah, so let's start there. Volunteer, um, I believe we have wellbuilt.works, which will take you to kind of a basic volunteer application, kind of where you can express interest. It's just a Google form to fill out. It'll kind of let us know to get in touch with you. So wellbuilt.works there. Uh, you can get in touch with me at Johnny Produce, uh, J-O-H-N-N-Y, Produce, at basically uh, any social media platform. Um, you can message me there at Wellbuilt Bikes for uh, the bike shop, um, at the Well Eight One Three, which is maybe a little less active on Instagram, Twitter, whatever. Um, there's a handful of other ways, but through those you can get a hold of us. And then I would say, uh, if, if you have questions or things for the bike shop, um, Wellbuilt Bikes at Gmail dot com. And then if you want to just hear about, like, oh, you're announcing a class or whatever, um, you can text the word Wellbuilt to eight one three nine nine three one two zero eight which will just put you on like an announcement list that we text out from time to time. I promise we don't blow it up. It's just things that are upcoming or meaningful. We actually started that when COVID started as a way to go, hey, we're not here today or this is coming up or whatever. But it's been a great way to stay in touch with people and text back and forth. And so you can text that number, uh, 993-1208. Just text the word well builder to put you on that list. Thank you, John. And Sweetwater Organic Community Farm did send us a text and they also want to thank you and they support all the great work that you do. And we encourage listeners to stick around for the next hour to hear WMNF Monday's music with Flea. If you want to hear more public interest programming, you can switch over to WMNF's HD3 channel, The Source, to listen on to today's Tom Hartman Show Live. Tune in next Monday morning at 11 for the next Sustainable Living Show, when we will be talking with Marisa Byram from Shell's Feed and Garden Supply about their local urban farm resources. Thanks to Bill, Clark, and of course you, the listeners, for tuning in to us here on WMNF Tampa. Have a great week, everyone.